I got, I got, I got, I got baseball. Welcome in to we're talking. We're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball. Uh, quick show. We have hello, Danny. How are you today? Hi, Craig. Hi, Jay. Hi, Danny. This is Danny Reed, by the way. Danny Reed. Yes. Sorry. Uh, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, who are not golden, but they did get a three-game sweep over the weekend. Well, we're going to see our golden counterpart this weekend, so I guess we'll take care of that. Yeah, you, uh, you're actually going to finally get to spend some time with John Cox. I only got about 30 minutes with him during basketball season. We had a very late matchup down in Hattiesburg, and it was the back end of a very, very long road trip. The one thing, though, I did take away was I think that everyone in that gym said hi to him, which was <laughs> which was a pretty cool thing to watch. Yeah, and that's very true. You know, he is uh, he has spoken about reverential terms over there. Look, when your student section has a fat head of the play-by-play guy, and they're like, you know, bouncing it up and down during the game. You know, you've arrived. <laughs> I'd say so. There are so many jokes I can go into with Fathead, but we're not going to go there right now. Let's talk some baseball. <laughs> Let's go back to last weekend. Danny had a couple sweeps uh, in the series uh, with in a few series. Let's let's start out with uh, Georgia Southern hosting South Alabama. Uh, what did you take away from that series, especially on the South Alabama side, since we play them? this weekend well both teams went in really needing to win it and georgia southern the previous six games had just not played well uncharacteristically bad on defense not getting the big hit not pitching that well especially from the starters but then i guess just seeing the jags got the eagles in a rhythm because the starting pitching was really good all weekend especially on sunday anthony demola steps in and a spot start goes four scoreless just one base hit one of the best outings he has had in two years and then offensively scoring about half the runs after two outs and just keeping South Alabama from getting the big hit. And if you think about all those really good Mark Calvey teams, they feast with two outs. They're outstanding at getting the leadoff guy on, but they really feast at getting two out hits. They didn't get that hardly at all over the weekend. And even in the finale, they had the winning run on base in the ninth inning. They had the go-ahead run on base in the seventh, but just never got the hit where they could swing the series. And look, I don't know how they're going to end up. I don't know how Georgia Southern's going to end up. But to know that you started league play by taking three straight from a program as good as South Alabama, that means something. It does mean something. But is you know, what does South Alabama have to do, in your opinion? You know, you're making it sound like, Gee, this was they were really close to being good, but yet you dough popped them twice. The the last game was very competitive, but but you spanked them pretty good uh earlier uh, in the series. Is this a team that's that in your opinion is gonna struggle all during conference play, or is this something that's easily fixable for Mark Calvi's uh team? Considering what I thought about their first two starters, really all their starting pitching I thought was pretty solid. Jeremy Lee's coming back from missing about two years with the elbow issues. He showed flashes on Friday, but he was really curveball heavy. I know he's got a really good one. Fastball was in the lower 90s. He just didn't throw it that much. He's also got a slider now, but he was really curveball heavy. And to Georgia Southern's credit, they didn't chase. 
he's probably more used to people chasing his curveball. That's why he can rack up the strikeouts. That's what he did the week before against Jacksonville State. I think he struck out nine and six shutout innings. So it seems like he's pretty close to being the guy he was two years ago. Garrett Connard, their freshman lefty, also has a really good curveball. He threw it about two-thirds of the time. He got some swing and miss. But when Georgia Southern hit a hanger or they found his fastball, they got their success. The best arm was on Sunday, and that was Mitchell Hur, the third baseman. He was the starting third baseman the first two games. Not great defensively, but you could tell the way he threw the ball across the diamond. There was some electricity in that arm, and then he gets on the mound. He's up to 94. He didn't throw that many breaking balls relative to the first couple of days. They just didn't get him any offense until he was out of the game. And then South Alabama gets a two-run home run from Joseph Sullivan after a controversial check swing went the way of South. The very next swing, it went over the monster. It cut Georgia Southern's lead down to one. But to the credit of the bullpen, they ended up hanging on. And if South Alabama would have gotten the big hit in game one or game three, they could have been in a position to take two of those. But I do think that they're close. They just need to rediscover the thing that has made them such a good team over the course of Mark Calvi's tenure. They need to get the big hit. They've also got to be a lot better defensively. They had eight errors in that series, and that's that's a total anomaly for any South Alabama team. Yeah, you, you know, this is, uh, I was looking at their their fielding percentages like in the 950s or 940s, and that never happens with a South Alabama team. Uh, part of it is have not having Santi Montiel. I mean, he's been the four-year starter at shortstop just about every day. He had a fifth year but opted to conclude his career they've got jg bell taking most of the reps there junior college transfer from pearl river he was part of a national championship team there last year i think defensively he's he's solid he had three hits in game two of the series it's not the typical south alabama team i don't think that they have a whole lot of thunder in their lineup usually they've got a couple of guys that can go deep i don't know how fast they are i don't know how many bases they're going to steal consistently it is a team that you get to where they usually are but they need to find a way to get the leadoff guy on more successfully get that two-out hit, and then, of course, if that defense doesn't collectively improve at least a little bit, they're going to be in the bottom half of the league. But I think it is a team that has potential to be a top-five team. All right. Let's move on to a team that uh, I guess we've talked about in the past with you, with Colin, uh, about Georgia State. Any surprise there that Georgia State uh, not only took all three from Troy, but uh, quite uh, quite handedly. The way I looked at this one is what first I had to make sure it wasn't 2022 because this is how Georgia State began last year, just ripping through the league through the first four weekends. They came to Statesboro. I think they were 10 and two, and then the Eagles got the sweep. And from there, it was where Georgia Southern took off. And from there is where Georgia State kind of went down the tubes a little bit. With Troy, I think that they believed that they were going to have a really special year. They started 11-0 and before they dropped those two midweek games against Florida Gulf Coast. I still think that they're solid. I don't know that all the pieces are there yet. I, they're going to be just fine. And then with Georgia State, it's either going to be, okay – did you start well again and are you going to taper off or do you have enough pitching to complement that outstanding offense? Because while most of the pieces from last year are back, Joseph Brandon has really taken a step forward for them on the mound. He's top 10 in the league in ERA. He has really stepped forward as that number one guy. But if they don't get consistent pitching, it's going to be a lot of the same for them down the stretch, especially considering how much better the league is. League is most assuredly better. And, and you know, you're right. At the beginning of conference play last year, they were – really a house of fire. Uh, I'm just wondering, though, if this time around, if they're going to be able to face some of the better pitching staffs in this league and have the offensive firepower 
it looks like they're stronger offensively than they were a year ago. But how is that going to translate when they're playing some of the better teams in the league? They're really reliant on slogging, especially with Ryerson, him being a preseason All-American. He's going to be good for somewhere around 20 home runs. It, it was definitely a more forceful lineup that Brad Strombaugh put out last year. And look, I think Colin and I have told you guys before, we think the world of him. He's a very unconventional guy. He started the program up at Georgia Quinnette, took them to a college World Series. He, he basically built that program into a national powerhouse at the junior college level. And to see him get a chance at Georgia State where he was an assistant coach, it is a unique brand of baseball, but you can tell the way that they built their offense and the way that they are trying to build their pitching staff. They need to be more a team that is worried about their pitching because after Brandon, I think that there are a lot of question marks. I think there's potential, but I think that there's a lot of question marks offensively. I think, you know what you're going to get, but if you're so reliant on the extra base hit, the double, the long ball, eventually that does have a way of leveling back out. And then you've got to be able to consistently defend. You've got to be able to consistently pitch. Maybe they're better geared for it this year because of what they went through last year, but that remains to be seen the last nine weeks. Very good. Uh, Old Dominion swept ULM. Is this a case of, and I hate to say it this way, is this a case of they've swept a team that's not very good in ULM or is Old Dominion, playing good ball. Look, I really like Coach Mike Federico. I think that he was the perfect guy for that job. I think those teams play hard. They're scrappy. They're going to give everybody trouble. They're going to pick off some teams they shouldn't. But I think that they've also built their talent a little bit. They've got a lot of guys back on that pitching staff. Cam Barlow could match up against just about anybody in this league. I think that Old Dominion didn't have a terribly tough schedule, but that can go one of two ways. You either don't know who you are or it builds a boatload of confidence. And regardless of what you want to say about ULM being 0-3 in league play and making Old Dominion an 18-2 and team and top 25 in the RPI, Old Dominion's the best team in the league to this point. And they've lead the league in batting, home runs, runs scored, RBIs. Hunter Fitzgerald might be the league's player of the year at this point, considering some of the power numbers he has put up. He's got 11 home runs in 20 games already. Statistically, they are the league's best team. I'm sure that there'd be a lot that would dispute that, but if you go specifically on numbers, Old Dominion is setting the pace for everybody else in this league, but it's just a matter of time before we see what they're going to do because they come to Statesboro in two weeks after the Eagles get back from Hattiesburg. No disrespect to ULM, and I'm and I'm with you about Federico. I think he's done a very, very nice job there. There are going to be four teams in this league that don't make it to Montgomery. Right. And right now, I think ULM is one of those teams. So what I want to know is, how good is ODU going to be when they play Georgia State, when they play Georgia Southern, when they play Coastal Carolina, uh, when they whoever they cross breed with uh, on, the, on the western side? Um, I kind of feel about Old Dominion like I felt about Georgia State last year. It, it was, okay, you know, you feasted on some not very good competition and you put up great numbers, but um, this is a pretty good league. Now, I think in the case of Old Dominion, they have, uh, they played consistently well for several years in Conference USA. So I think that even though they played a weak schedule, they're probably more legitimate then maybe some other teams uh, who have gotten off to good starts, but I'm still kind of in a show me mode with those guys until they go out and beat somebody good. 
I mean, two years ago, they were a number one seed. They didn't get a chance to host a regional. I know that they're going, they're undergoing some ballpark renovations to try to get to that point if they're fortunate enough to be a one in the future. It's, it's clear that Coach Finwood has built a program, but being that they have had success in Conference USA, and even though they are changing up to a new league, a league that is top five in the conference RPI, I do agree with you. This this is still a show me until they get to a point where they do it every week against league teams. Right now, 18-2 and two is just a really encouraging start, and it's it's definitely catching some attention across the country, but you could have a paper-thin schedule and win 45 games like a Campbell has done previously. Campbell had a season where they won 51 games and didn't even get into the NCAA tournament because their schedule was so soft. But if Old Dominion can do this against conference teams, that's going to change the perspective quite a bit. App State Marshall, two middle-of-the-road teams playing each other as far as uh, statistically and record-wise. Any any surprise there with the, with that matchup? Jay, I'm going to yield to you on this one. Uh, well, you know, App State's a question mark for me because I think App State's got a few nice wins on their resume. Um, and it looks like they're swinging the bat better than they have the last couple, three years. Um, I don't know if that means that App State is going to wind up in Montgomery uh, or if they're going to be left out in the cold. Um, you know, Marshall, Marshall's got a new coach, but, but I don't think they're very good. I think this is another team that's going to struggle to get to the conference tournament. Um, and you know, App State won the series. Uh, we'll find out more about the Mountaineers when they come to uh, Russo Park next weekend. I like the pieces with Drumheller back, with Cross back. I think Cross is top 10 in the league in batting average. But something that App has got to figure out, and this is with Xander Hamilton back in the rotation. He got hurt towards the end of last year. Their team ERA is about eight. And that's something that can't live if they're going to just win consistently, much less get into a conference tournament. Yeah, I I think this is a team that's going to win by scoring runs. You know, you mentioned those two guys and – you know, we were really impressed last year with Austin St. Laurent and, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, we're going to see him again. He's a very, very good ball player. Uh, if you're going to beat app, you got to navigate their lineup and, and, and their lineup right now looks like it's uh, pretty decent. So we'll see. Good deal guys. Uh, let's go to Jay next uh, app state and the Cajuns Cajuns host and app state took all three games. Was, was there more to anything than what happened? I mean, you know, are you talking about Arkansas State? Did I say App State? You did. Arkansas State. I was so confused. That's okay. Uh, I'm just looking ahead. You know me. <laughs> and I'm always confused. So Arkansas State, he did look very confused. I know you can't see his face, Danny, but he's looking at me going, what the hell are you oh. talking about? So, oh, I so- know exactly what face he's showing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, I'm, um, I've made it very, very clear over the years that I'm a big Tommy Raffo fan. I think Tommy Raffo is a very good baseball coach in a very bad situation uh, at Arkansas State. They're a they're a team that isn't funded properly. They're a team that has a, a program that's been neglected uh, by that university for many many years. And as a result, what you see is what you get. You know, they're they got a lot of things working against them. Okay, they got a bad facility. They've got a small budget. Their coaching staff is the worst paid. Uh, in the league. Uh, 
And they play in a ballpark that I don't care what time of year it is, it's not pleasant. Either it's really, really cold or it's really, really warm. But either way, it's really, really windy. So the ballpark never plays fair. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. The wind is either blowing out, giving the pitchers a big disadvantage, or the wind's blowing in, giving the hitters a big disadvantage. It is just, it, it, it's just really, really difficult. And, you know, I thought Arkansas, I think they got five or six guys in their lineup that can swing it. Do that. I thought that we saw one or two guys out of the bullpen that were fair. Uh, you know, I think Trey Jeans, when, um, you know, when, it, when his team plays behind him, uh, I think Trey Jeans is a guy who can compete on Friday. I really like the redshirt freshman they threw on, on Sunday. I think that kid's going to be a good one, Carmack. Um, he was getting it up around 93, and he only weighs about 170 pounds. And um, he's a redshirt freshman. I think he's got a future. But, again, I, I don't think the Red Wolves are very good. I think they're a little bit better than they were a year ago. But last year, they were just – that was just an abomination. They're better than that, but I still don't think they're very good. Danny and I talked before that with Tommy Rappos teams, make sure you play them before the month of May because in the month of May, all bets are off. They significantly improve from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And a lot of times they lose a good portion of their schedule because of bad weather. Now they've had some years where they haven't had very many home games, but where they're located in some of the places they have to go to, they get, They've had games fogged out just being in the Midwest. They have a lot of inclement weather, and that field does not drain well if there's any kind of rain. So if they do happen to have a decent number of home games, they've had seasons where they've only played 45 games before just because of how bad the weather is and how well the or the lack of ability of the field to, to drain properly. But I do know that that team consistently improves by the month of May. Agreed. And if they do get to the conference tournament, they are a threat. Every no, I, no year. I'm, I'm in total agreement. Um, I always use the term, watch Arkansas State after tax day. Um, <laughs> because it, the, second, the second half of April and, and through the month of May, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's something that's been that way most of the time. Interesting, this year, Arkansas State's got 34 home games on, on their schedule this year. They have not had one rained out or snowed out or anything else out as of yet at Tomlinson stadium, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're playing 500 ball at home. Uh, and, you know, Jonesboro is never an easy place to go and win. The Cajuns managed to get three last year. One of the games they had to go extra innings in order to do it. Um, Cajuns were fortunate that they had them uh, in Lafayette early in the season, but those that have to go to Jonesboro after tax day are, are going to get, Pardon the pun. They're going to get taxed. Uh, I just from watching them play this week, and I think they can really hit the ball. Uh, but they're not going to win many games with a, a almost a seven ERA. So they've got to get some pitching in there. But they did show some promise at times, in my opinion. And I th I think they can hit the ball, and they showed that. So, uh, no offense to uh, South Alabama, or no disrespect respect i should say to south alabama heading to georgia southern in that series but i think the biggest uh opening weekend series had to be southern mix miss and texas state 
just because Southern yeah. Miss was new to the league and everything. Did you get an opportunity to watch that at all or or follow that along, Danny? Yeah, I saw some of the finals, but seeing game one, Tanner Hall is going to beat just about everybody in this league on Fridays. That that That's a really tough ask of anybody, regardless of whether you got to go to Pete Taylor Park or if they're coming to you. He's a bona fide All-American. He's one of the best starters in the country. You almost book them a Friday win each week. But even with that being the case, games two and three were narrow wins for Texas State. You could say home field advantage. You can say win played a factor. You can say whatever you want to, but maybe Texas State feels a little bit motivated because they took their lumps a little bit towards the back portion of non-conference play, but with so many guys still back, and they won that series last week, and Zeke Wood didn't pitch. He's got a bicep strain, so they had to mix up their rotation with not having him, and to still do that and take two of three from the league's only top 25 team, it was as good of a series as I think that people were looking at, but I think the result may have surprised some people. I think, um, you know, Texas State, and and I was curious to see if they were going to be different in their approach this year. Because, look, they had a lot of veteran guys a year ago. They played with a chip on their shoulder. They weren't afraid to talk a bunch of smack uh, and um, and kind of a get-in-your-face type ball club. From what I understand, the the loss of some very, very good talent hasn't changed their attitude at all. You know, from what I understand, there was a lot of chirping going on over in San Marcos. And um and and I think that I think Texas State feeds off of that. That uh, you know, if they can get you into a talking situation, that um that that's that that that's good for a run of game uh with them. So, you know, the attitude hadn't changed. Uh, they're still cocky as hell. But you know what? They're also really good at backing it up. And they, uh, they, got, they got a series win. And props to them, man, because not too many people are going to say that when they play Southern Miss. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the one team where a lot of the teams in this league are going to use as the measuring stick. I mean, to host a Super Regional last year, I mean, if we in Statesboro are more than thrilled to have the regional here, but for them to host a super and be within one game of getting back to Omaha, I know they went in 2009, but for a lot of teams, they're going to look at that Southern Miss series as, okay, how good are we? It, it was, a. It, I saw a lot of uh, their games this weekend and uh, Jay is correct, correct in saying that the Texas state likes to chirp, but Cajun fans know, just as much how Southern Miss likes to chirp. So it was fun to watch those games. Uh, let's take a quick break since we've kind of followed that up, and then we'll come back, talk a little bit news and numbers here, and look at the schedule ahead. You're listening to War Talking with Craig Melanson, Danny Reed, and Jay Walker. Welcome back into We're Talking. We're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball with voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, and voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Guys, um, there, and I'm trying to share at the same time, so I apologize. Um, lots of what 
numbers, I think, in some ways a little bit to digest. And one of them being, uh, I'm a little bit surprised at the, the Cajuns pitching numbers because, and Jay might be able to talk better about this, but I think that was a big issue, not only coming into the season, but starting out coming in this this series even this weekend. But a 4-1-2 ERA is good for 54th in the country. Old Dominion's the only one in the Sun Belt that's lower at 3-3-5. Any surprise there, I guess? Now, you know, the thing, I go back to a conversation that I had with Seth Thibodeau, Cajun pitching coach, before the season started. And the thing that he said to me was, I believe we have more quality depth on this pitching staff than what we had last year. And so while you don't have a Connor Cook or an Arigetti or Gunnar Leger or anything like that on this team, what you do have are guys who can go out as starters, get you five, and a bullpen that can that can more than piece things together because the Cajun bullpen uh, looks like it's it's actually a weapon. Now, again, I don't see a, a, a Tristan Stivers uh, on, in, the, in this bullpen, but I do see guys who are going to throw strikes and get outs. And uh, last time I checked, that's what you need to do in the game of baseball. So part of me is surprised that the Cajun team ERA is what it is, but I keep going back to what Seth Thibodeau said and in that regard, I guess they're where the coaching staff thought they would be. Agreed. Danny, any surprises when looking at the numbers as far as uh, pitching staffs go on anybody in the Sun Belt at this point? I know it's early. I mean, it's early in the sense of conference play, but at the same time, we've, we've, we, you know, we've, everyone's played almost 20 games. Uh, South Alabama a little bit, but I do think that that is a staff that's in flux. I think they have some depth with their bullpen, and I think that when they do figure it out, they are going to be a pretty solid team. Uh, Old Dominion is not going to be a 335 team the whole year. I, I think that we're all in agreement about that. I think they could be a solid team, but I just don't know. that. That's a pretty high pace to set. The one that probably knocks me a little bit is Coastal being at a six and a half. Look, I know that they play most of their games in a bandbox, and they're going to get victimized by it the way that they victimize other pitching staffs. But for a program led by Gary Gilmore that can get some of the nation's best talent, not just to swing the bat, but also power arms, they they have multiple arms that are going to be in the upper 90s. But to see that team ERA still that high, that that's a – I'm not going to say it's off-putting, but it's one where you're – you're not totally sure about that one yet. Could that be a, a and I know I'm asking you because you're not looking at their schedule, but could that be a kind of a high because of not more than one outing, but maybe a series that they played someone that could have boosted that? Well, I, on one side, you can say you've got a lot of power five schools, but on the other side, they get them all at home. So it's. <laughs> yeah. You know, with coastal, it's always about how, how do they do when they leave Conway, or at least it has been since they've been in the league. And, um, you know, so we'll, we're, we're going to find out, you know, now they're at home this weekend uh, against Texas state, which I think, you know, to me, that's that along with Georgia Southern Southern miss probably the, the two biggest series in the league this week. But um, I want to see how they do when they leave Conway. Uh, is there is there pitching better than a six and a half ERA? 
uh, is their hitting uh, not quite as good uh, as a team that, um, you know, hits a lot of home runs and, and, all, and has an OPS close to 1,000 as a team. Uh, and my guess is when they leave Conway, their pitching will be better than advertised and their hitters not so much. Good deal, guys. Let's let's move on to the schedule. I'm not uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are you're with uh, Tuesday and Wednesday games, but any big series. I, I see Georgia, Georgia State, uh, Arkansas State headed to Mississippi State. Um, a- anything with that Georgia State Georgia game, Danny, that we can look at. Well, we've played them twice. One was at the minor league park in North Augusta where the Braves affiliate Augusta Green Jackets play. And that was a game where Georgia suddenly got up three, nothing and seven to four, but Georgia's got a ridiculously strong offense. They, if they can pitch a little bit, they're, they're going to be a threat to anybody. And then that very next night they came to Statesboro, got three runs in the first inning and they think they won the game nine to four. It's a very, very strong lineup. One through nine, they have home run hitters. They've got some serious arms with their staff, but sometimes they can be bitten by the walks. Defensively, they're solid. They're not great. But if somebody can get you for nine innings, we know that Georgia State can swing it a little bit. And if you can just find a way for 27 outs to be somebody superior, you can pick anybody off. Jay, anything on Tuesday night that you're seeing? Well, you know, Georgia, Georgia State is the one that intrigues me. And I have no idea, first of all, where Lawrenceville is. And secondly, what that ballpark is like, but that's where they're playing. Um, <laughs> South Alabama and Auburn are playing in Montgomery um, yes. tonight. That, uh, that that game, I think, is interesting. But other than that, no, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, I think, you know, when, when moving on to Wednesday night, I, I'm not sure. I know Liberty has been solid in most of their sports i'm assuming the same thing as baseball but anything going on there with liberty and old dominion will that be some type of test for old dominion i'm sure it will be liberty typically is very strong in baseball and i say that they go to southern miss to start the year and they get swept in three and that that surprised me a little bit i thought liberty might take at least one of those games but in midweek baseball, you know that the pitching is going to be viewed differently by everybody some guys want to go nine or ten guys to fill things out those games, they take forever. If they go extra innings, it's even worse because you don't want to burn your top arms for the weekend. But that that that's one where Old Dominion could have a cause to step back a little bit. But if they keep hitting like they have been and pitching like they have been, there's not too many teams that are going to take them down. Yeah, I'm interested in that game Wednesday. But I'll tell you what, the game for me, and, and maybe a, no surprise at all, I think is Southeastern coming to Russo Park. You know, this is a team that plays the game the way the Cajuns play the game in that when they get guys on base, they're going to run. This is a team that always has a good on base percentage. They've stolen more bases than the Cajuns have, and the Cajuns are sitting there with 61 steals already this year, and Southeastern has stolen even more bases. They are a team that notoriously when the Cajuns and uh, Lions get together, it's always a well-played game. It's always a game that could go either way. And um, I I think that's going to be a buzzsaw type of game Wednesday night. It'll be one of the better midweek games played at Russo Park this year, in my opinion. Danny, anything with Mercer this year? I know in the past uh, they've had a strong program. How are they doing this year with Georgia Southern heading there this weekend or Wednesday night? 
they'll tout that they're the best program in the state of Georgia. And from a consistency standpoint, they it's, it's tough to argue that because they're one of three programs that's had uh, 13 straight win- seasons of 35 plus wins. And I think LSU and Vanderbilt are the other two. So Craig Gibson, the head coach who played there was tack player of the year there. They've, they've really built something and some will look at, they don't schedule very strong in the non-conference. They've got a band box for a ballpark where it's only 350 to right center field, which greatly favors the lefties and right-handers that like to go to the backside gap, but they still keep winning year after year. They've won the Southern conference three times since they made the move about a decade ago. Good thing is, is that in the first meeting between the two about three weeks ago, Georgia Southern dominated, won that game 11-0. Rodney Hennon got his 800th victory as Georgia Southern head coach that night. It was it was one of the coolest nights. It was just a night where everything seemed to come together, and it showed us how good this team can be. They've had some difficulty being that consistent, but with what they did last weekend to grind out a sweep against a program like South Alabama, and considering what's on the other side of that Wednesday game going to Hattiesburg, for the first time as Sunbelt foes, this is a team that needs to play well on Wednesday if they have any chance of making some noise this weekend. Well, you brought up this weekend's schedule of Georgia Southern heading to Southern Miss. I think there's three three series that I'm really interested in on, and Georgia Southern Southern Miss is the first one that we'll talk about. So go ahead and tell me there, what does uh, Georgia Southern have to do to, to go into Hattiesburg and take a series victory? Uh, they got to continue to build on what they did last weekend versus South Alabama. I'd like to see the defense improve a little bit. Georgia Southern did commit six errors in that series. Jared Brown, who's one of the league's best total, I think he's the league's best defensive third baseman. He's had he's had some difficulty the last couple of weeks. I think it's six errors in the last five games. So trying to get back to the point where they can really say he's one of the best defenders in the entire league. But the Eagles just got the big hit. They got the literal big hit with adding some home runs Luke Hatcher at his first home run and that was without a hit from Noah Ledford the entire week the preseason All-American preseason player of the year didn't have a hit the entire week and the Eagles were still able to sweep but if the Eagles can continue to improve their defense and get solid starting pitching I I believe we know what we're going to get for the most part with Ty Fisher Ben Johnson has gotten to the point where he is a draft prospect because of what he did in the Cape last summer. He's starting to realize what it's going to take to be a pro if he opts to go to the next level. And then that Sunday spot, whether it's Anthony DeMola or they go back to the freshman Zach Harris, who has really struggled this year, but he's got the arm that he could be somebody you could rely on in the future. But for this team, if the starters can get 15 to 18 outs and then you can piece it together with a bullpen that's still figuring out its roles – the Eagles can absolutely go to Hattiesburg and take two, but this is a group that has not experienced the Pete yet. I have not experienced it yet. I'm really excited for those three games because I know they're all sellouts. I know that they're nuts. I know they're rabid. I know they got the roost out there in right field. I'm real excited, and especially to spend some more time with John Cox, who I think is just a treasure. I um, You're going to, you know, as a baseball guy, Danny, you're going to love Pete Taylor Park. Um, sight lines are great. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, that that crowd's going to be into it. The roost in right field is, yeah, I don't know who your right fielder is, but I hope he's got a thick skin because he's going <laughs> to catch it. Um, but it's going to be, uh, it'll be, it'll be a great experience. You will leave there saying, regardless of what happens with your team, you'll leave saying, okay, this, this was good. This was good because it's, uh, it's going to be good baseball and, and you're in a really good ballpark. And um the guy who wears the headset in, in gold, you just called him a treasure, and I'm not arguing with you on that. 
Let's move on to uh, Louisiana, headed to South Alabama. Jay, uh, we know South Alabama is not going to be uh, 0-6 after this weekend, probably. What do the Cajuns need to do to go in? You know, I think, first of all, they need to understand where they're going and who they're playing. Because I can guarantee you that Mark Calvi is going to do that with his team in today's day and age, if you, you know, look at, at the, at, and now it's, it's going to be different with Southern Miss in the league, but you know, the, the, the league kind of said, okay, Cajuns, ULM is your rival. Okay. And they said, okay, South Alabama, Troy is your rival. Now I think South Alabama and Troy has really turned into a good rivalry in baseball. Yes. But coaches and fans that know the history of this league know that traditionally the most bitter rivalry is between Louisiana and South Alabama. And so I think that, first of all, you got to have a team that understands that and understands that there's going to be some intensity in that ballpark that maybe you weren't expecting. Because to a lot of the fan base, this series is everything, just like it is when they come to Russo Park. And so I, I, you know, if the Cajuns are going to do well this weekend, I think a lot of what they need to do is the muscle between the ears and make sure that they're mentally prepared for what they're going to face at any stanky field. Danny, any thought on the series there? I know that Cajun fans would more than love to take all three of those, but being that it's in Mobile and being that South Alabama is going to be ticked off regardless of what the result is against Auburn and Montgomery, this is one that is always worthy of watching. This is one that's always worthy of attention. I don't care that South Alabama's 0-3. I don't care that the Cajuns are 3-0. and And I completely agree with Jay that the history of this goes back a long time. And being that you've got coaches on both sides that understand that and that are going to try to parlay that to their teams, but also guys that are going to have a chance to play in this game, they've got to tell other guys that, look, this isn't just three games. It might just be three over the course of 60 or whatever we end up playing this year, but it gets turned up a little bit. And the fact that it's the second week of the season, it's going to be a big sense of discovery for both because the Cajuns might turn out to be a really good team. And for South Alabama, maybe the things that we're talking about earlier that have been holding them back, maybe they do figure it out and maybe they, maybe they get on that upward trend. Well, I know for either fan base, whichever uh, fan base loses uh this weekend heads will be exploding and oh my god our team sucks and all that but it's not the end of the world losing to either one of these two teams so uh last I, and then we'll let you guys go uh but uh texas state coastal carolina uh you know coastal may not have had their uh their best weekend last weekend but at the same time i still believe uh they're 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 still coastal carolina until proven other words and Texas State is going to Conway. Your thoughts on that series, Danny? There's so many new guys for Coastal, whether it's been whether on pitching or offensively, they got a lot of new guys in the lineup. I know Nick Lucky's back. I know Zach Beach is back, but there's a lot of guys that until you see them live, all you look at is the little bit of video that's available and a roster sheet. But to me, this has got to be a tangible deal where it's in front of you and you can legitimately say, 
okay, is Coastal going to be the kind of team they were when they joined this league where they were hitting five, six home runs per game? Or are they going to be more of a grinding dirtbag kind of team that they were last year that just played harder than you, were tougher than you? I was really impressed with how they made that shift when they came to Statesboro last year and took two of those three from the Eagles for a team that won 41 games and hosted. But I'm I'm really curious to see how they can back themselves up and also for Texas State on the heels of a really important series win. You got to play defense on the road if you're going to win. You you can hit a little bit, but if you cannot play defense and you don't pitch, you, you're not going to win on the road in this league. Yeah, and, and look, I, this is one of the longer road trips in the league. You know, if you know, I'm going to assume Texas State is flying. God, I hope they are, because it's a 20-hour bus ride to Conway. All right. Oh, it's it's almost 1,300 miles from San Marcos to Conway, and so I want to see. Not only is Texas State going into a a, a, a tough environment where to play a coastal team that that almost always plays well at Springsburg stadium, but I want to see how well they handle. I don't care how you slice it or dice it. You know, you're talking about uh, traveling to either Austin or San Antonio um, connecting uh, somewhere. All right. And then landing in Myrtle beach. And then you are still 20 minutes away from the ballpark. This is a tough trip for Texas state. Because it's going to be grueling from a travel standpoint. And then when you get there, you've got the shot to clears to worry about. If Texas State goes to Coastal Carolina and has great success this weekend, I'll stand up and call them the favorites to win the league. Okay. I have a tough time arguing that. Jay, any last words of wisdom before we head out today? Uh no, I, I wisdom is something that passed me by a long time ago. Well, Danny, I know you're <laughs> always the wise one in this group because the, the two of us sitting over here, trust me, no one's called us the brain surgeons. No, and and Look, I, we're smarter when we drink and we're not drinking today. Yes. All right, the three of us are baseball purists, and for that, I'll say I know that it's flashy to hit a lot of home runs and score a lot of runs, and that's what a fan typically wants to see, but be aware of how your team pitches in defense because if those start to improve, your team's going to start to improve regardless of how many runs you score. Do you know Tony Robichaud? <laughs> We're familiar, yes. Because you because you just sounded like him just now. Just saying. All right. We've got Danny for the first time ever spe speechless and, and Jay coming up with something wise so for the no, first time ever. for the first time ever yeah. so <laughs> no seriously guys uh thank you both so much short notice and everything hopeless it becomes a weekly weekly that we can talk hopefully we can do some in the evening so we so we can drink so we can partake in an adult beverage <laughs> or three uh but no thanks a lot appreciate it as always uh you guys are the greatest and don't let that go to your head so uh <laughs> You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball, with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, and Jay Walker, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns.
Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.